been to this uh, spring Bible conference. I know many of you have prayed. And I feel like uh, almost all of my quiet times, the Lord keeps leading me back to what to pray. And yesterday on the way back from the airport, I had the wits with me and we were on I-10 going, I guess, about 75. And uh, a guy beside me to the left hits a ladder, like an eight foot ladder and knocks it into my lane. So then it's in my lane. So then I run over the ladder. I, I, all I could think about was if it's a deer, hit the deer. Don't, don't swerve, swerve and try to avoid it. So anyway, I ran over the ladder, but God was watching over us. Nothing wrong with us, nothing wrong with the car. But I just want you to know that God is hearing your prayers. I believe that God's got great things in store for us. One of the blessings that I have, in addition to knowing Dr. Don Witt, is to also know his uh, wife, Rosita Witt. Believe me, she's a prayer warrior, and uh, she also has been praying over these meetings. So I'm looking forward to what God will do. Uh, let's uh, welcome Dr. Don Witt as he comes to share God's word. Thank you, Brother Don. Amen. Thank you, and it's real good, real joy to be back with you all. I, I feel like I'm part of you. I've been here for many, many years. So thank you again, uh, Pastor, for inviting me. And we look forward to what God is going to be doing uh, this week. Uh, let me just share with you a little bit more about the other two preachers that will be preaching this week. Uh, tomorrow night is uh, Ronnie Coleman. You remember Ronnie last year? Many of y'all remember Ronnie? And, you know, he's a live wire. And so get ready. Buckle, the, buckle your pew belts. And uh, Ronnie is a, a young man that I had the privilege to lead to the Lord when he was 16 years old, to baptize him. And then <clears throat> at age 17, God called him to preach and able to preach his ordination service. And he's just one of mine. And just to see the hand of God upon him through these years. And uh, he pastored. And uh, one, one of the largest churches in the panhandle of Florida, uh, they ran over a 1,000 uh, every week. And he called me uh, one day uh, about seven years ago. And he said, I'm moving back to Jackson, Tennessee to start a church. And I responded to him and said, that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. I said, there's a church on every corner in Jackson, Tennessee. And to that, he responded by saying, yes, but they're not reaching people. And how true that has borne out. He and his wife, son and daughter started a church seven years ago in their living room. And now they're running between 700 and 750 every Sunday. And uh, last year, they baptized over 250 and he's reaching people that no one else is even trying to reach. And uh, in fact, uh, <clears throat> uh, last year they're going to do their first mission trip. They don't even have a building. They're actually meeting on Union University campus now. But they're going to do the first mission trip last year to, the, uh, to Haiti. And so they met one Sunday afternoon getting all their passports worked out. But 30 people met with him, but half of them couldn't get a passport because they were felons. But they've been saved and love Jesus, but he's reaching people that no one else is reaching. 
and God's hand is upon him. And they're breaking ground this uh, April, and their plot of ground, they have 30 acres now outside uh, Jackson, and they'll be uh, starting their first building this spring. And so I'm excited. I hope you're excited to have him back here. And then uh, Tuesday night <clears throat> is uh, Dr. Steve Gaines. Uh, Dr. Gaines also is sort of out of Milan. I don't know how these guys all, all of us come out of Milan years ago. He was youth minister there. And then he's now my pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. He serves on my board. He was president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And they run, uh, they, we, I'm never there. I'm three or four times a year is about all I'm there. But uh, we run there at Bellevue somewhere between eight and 10,000 every Sunday morning. And so, uh, folks, we're privileged to have him here this week. And you're going to be blessed. God is all over, uh, Brother Steve. And all of us are going to be preaching about when the glory comes. And so uh, I'm excited about them being here with us uh, this year. And look forward to what God is going to do. On February the 3rd, 1970, students were making their way to the chapel at Ashbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. Ashbury College is in a little Kentucky town of Wilmore. And as the students were making their way there to the chapel that day, they were expecting it to be as a normal chapel. They would go hear a speaker and then they would be on their task for the day. But that day when the speaker stood up, he said that I'm not going to deliver the message that I had prepared. But God is leading me in another direction and I'm going to be sharing my testimony of what God is doing in my life. And as he began to share his testimony, it was very apparent to all that were there that the anointing and the power of God was there in a very special way. And when he concluded that testimony, he said, perhaps there's someone else here that wants to give a testimony. And so a young man over here on this side stood up and began to share. And then another person stood on this side and began to share. And then there was a young man who stood and said that I've been a student here for three and a half years. I, I'm a senior. But throughout these years, I've been a phony. And God has not been real in my life. But last night in my room, I got on my knees. And he said, I got right with God. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And now Jesus is real in my life. And as a result of that, other students began to stand and began to share their testimony. And it was time for the chapel to be over, but the students were not ready to leave. And so they just stayed and kept sharing about what God was doing. And, and then the altar filled full of the staff and also the students coming and crying out to God and confessing sin. And they begin to line up and giving testimony one 
after another. That day, the dean of the college didn't know what to do. The president of the college was out of town, and finally the dean located him, and he began to share about what God was doing in their midst. And the president of the college, being a very spiritual-minded man, said, I recognize that God is moving there in a special way. And he said, let it continue on as long as it's very obvious that the Holy Spirit is guiding and leading. And continue on, it did, for eight days and eight nights. And word got out through the city about what God was doing there on the college campus. And people began to make their way there to the college. There was a reporter that heard about what God was doing, and he went and visited. And he recognized that God was doing a very special work. And he went to an NBC affiliate and begin to share about what God was doing on the college campus. And word spread throughout Kentucky. And then word began to spread throughout our nation that God was moving in a very special, special way. Now, this was not something that was planned. This was not something that was organized. But in the sovereign power of God, God sat down on that college campus. And it continued on throughout February and throughout the month of March. And the glory of God rested upon that college. Fast forward. Over 50 years after that, on February the 8th, 2023, this year, again, the glory of the Lord fell upon that college campus. And we've heard the testimony. How many of you have heard the testimony of what God has done again there on that Esbury College? One of the faculty members has um, wrote down several of the things that God is doing there now. And so I want to just read some of the statements that he makes about what's taking place there. Last Wednesday, February the 8th, 11 a.m., the Holy Spirit filled Hughes Auditorium, our chapel, and it's not let up. Again and again, people reported experiencing God like they have never have before in their lives. Then he made this statement. Early on, thick clouds came and settled around our campus. I've never, will never forget how it seemed to be the visible presence of Jesus sitting in on us. Whoo, can you imagine? The movement of God is across the generations. From 93 years old to a two-week-old, they have shown up. College students arising with, arriving with backpacks and pillows, wheelchairs and Elderly people, babies in strollers, in arms, and in front packs. Many testimony from the college students about release from anxiety, depression, suicidal tendencies. Come, Lord Jesus. 
This generation needs you. Words that people keep saying to me about their experience. Love of God. Joy of Jesus. I've never experienced this. I've never felt Jesus like this. I hear this every day after day. Afternoon testimony time. Hearing people testify of the goodness of God with incredible testimonies about freedom from addiction, healing of relationship, and words of blessing proclaimed. And then there was something that really just jumped out at me just to show you the, the miracles that God was, was performing uh, there. A healing of a freshman who due to a mild cerebral palsy had never run before, started running. The glory of the Lord set upon that campus once again. You say, preacher, what do you mean when you talk about the glory of the Lord uh, falling upon that campus? Well, the Bible speaks in Exodus 33, verse 18, where Moses said, Lord, show me your glory. Then again, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 24, Moses said, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled the house of God. What are we talking about when we talk about the glory of the Lord? Well, I believe that Basically, it's talking about the very essence of the person of God. The glory of the Lord is God showing forth his awesome power, showing forth his irresistible holiness in our midst. And you know, as I've studied what God did there at Asbury College, and as I read the word of God, I believe there are certain things that will always take place. And so that's what I want to preach about this morning, preach about tonight, just a couple of things that will take place when the glory of the Lord is manifested. My prayer is that the glory of the Lord will fill my life. My prayer is that the glory of the Lord will fall upon this church as never before. I'm praying today that God's glory will be manifested here today that will not just stop here, but it will spread out to this city and to this region. And all God's people say, amen. amen. So this morning, I want to preach on the subject. When the glory of the Lord comes, there will be love. There will be love. And so if we will, open your Bibles down to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to begin reading there in verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. And we're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture. The message will be very, very simple and not very long. And you say, Amen. <laughs> now, if you're ready for the Word of God, say, Amen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, 
And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. And again, all God's people say, amen. amen. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected or made perfect in us. Herein know we that we dwell in him, and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known that and believed that the love of God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is, and so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not made perfect in love. We love him, because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Father, I do thank you now for the privilege of being here. And God, do I thank you for the songs that have been sung today, the truths that have been presented. And God, I do pray. God, we pray today for your glory to be manifested in this place. Holy Spirit of God, walk up and down these aisles. Move in and out these pews. And God, I do pray for that person that is here that's nearest to hell. God, I pray today they'll come to Christ and be saved. But also, Lord, I pray for we who are saved. God, I pray that we'll leave here today filled with your glory and with your power. That, God, we go out into a world and share the good news of Jesus Christ. When the invitation is extended in a few moments, may there be a freedom for people to respond to your call and make their way to this altar and come to Christ. May your perfect will be accomplished. May the name of Jesus be honored. In Christ's name I pray. And all God's people say, amen. When the glory of the Lord is manifested, there will be the power and the manifestation of God's love. God's love will flow freely. When those students there at Ashbury begin to experience the glory of God and the love of God, 
They didn't want to keep it to themselves. And so they began to go out into the city. And they wanted people to know that God's love was real. And some of them began to clean up the streets. Others began to pick up litter on the streets. And then others actually went and would paint a widow's house. But they began to demonstrate that God's love was real in their lives. Listen, when the glory of the Lord comes and fills a life and falls upon the church, there will be a manifestation of God's wonderful love. You won't be able to keep it to yourself. That's exactly what John is saying here in verse 16 when he said, and we have known and believe the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now, what I want to do is this, very, very quickly. I want to share with you four things about God's love as, ha as it will be manifested in your life when the glory of God comes. Number one, love covers. Love covers. First Peter chapter four and verse eight. The Bible says, and above all things, how we fervent charity or love among yourselves. For charity love shall cover the multitudes of sins. You see, he is wanting us to know that when God's love is so real, that it will cover a multitude of sins. And then in Proverbs 10, verse 12, Hate stirreth up strifes, but love covers all sins. What covers bitterness? Love. What covers resentment? Love. What covers unforgiveness? Love. What covers hatred? Love. For example, someone offends you. Someone does you wrong. Someone hurts you. How are you going to keep from being bitter? The only way you're going to keep from being bitter is God's love. I mean, when you love someone, you cannot be bitter toward them, right? I mean, how can you keep from being resentful? God's love. You cannot be resentful if you love somebody. What's the solution for um, unforgiveness? God's love. You can't be unforgiving if you love someone. What's the solution for hatred? God's love. Because if you love someone, you cannot hate them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, well, if I uh, forgive them, that they're going to think that I approve of them. no. Forgiveness does not mean that you approve. Amen? But you forgive them. You forgive them. And because you forgive them doesn't necessarily mean that you approve. But when the glory comes and God's love fills our life and fills our churches, bitterness goes. Resentment goes. 
Unforgiveness goes. Hatred goes. I was watching on a program on Christian television sometime back. And uh, there was this mother that was there. And she had a, a picture of her little nine-year-old son. And you can imagine, you know, seeing the picture of that little nine-year-old son, uh, the innocence that was in his face. And then they showed a picture of him when he was 19 years old. And you could see that something drastic had happened from nine to 19. You could see the hardness on his face. You could see the, the tattoos that actually covered his face and his neck and his hands. And you could see the nose rings, ear rings. I mean, you could see something that drastically happened to him. And he had got involved with a group of druggies and began to go the way of the world. And that mother said that she began to pray for him. And uh, as she began to pray for him, that God just spoke to her and said, you're going to have many sons. And as she prayed for him, uh, he seemingly was coming around. But one night he, he left home again got in with the wrong group and got involved in a drug deal. And some way, somehow, he and the guy that was with him was dealing with this drug dealer. And some way, something went wrong. And the drug dealer shot both of them and killed them. And she said she began be, to be angry toward God. And she began to say, God, you said that I was going to have many sons. Now I have no sons. And said, God seemed to speak to her and say, forgive. And you forgive does not mean that you necessarily approve. And she said she went to the trial of the man who had shot her son. And she went to him and actually put her arms around him and said, I forgive you because God forgave me. I love you because God loves me. And said the guy just sort of pulled away from her and said, just leave me alone. He was sentenced to prison. And she continued to visit him even in prison. And again, he would just resist her and didn't want anything to do with her. And it said that he got involved there in prison and he ended up in consolidary confinement. And the only thing he had was a Bible. And he began to think about what this mother had said to him. I forgive you because God forgave me. I love you. Because God loved me. And as a result of that, he came to Christ. And he was saved. And his life was radically, radically changed. And she continued visiting him and, and discipling him. And there in prison, he began to share his story about how God had forgiven him and how God had saved him. And as a result of that, many, many of the other prisoners came to Christ and were saved.
And then God came back to that mother and said, remember, I made you the promise. You were going to have many sons, many sons. You see, love covers a multitudes of sins. Amen. And so number one, love covers. And then number two, love cleanses. Listen to Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see, a person who loves, they can't commit adultery against the person that they love. I mean, if you love a person, you're not going to commit adultery against them. You're not going to steal from a person that you love. You're going to own a lie to a person that you love. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. It's all comprehended in that statement. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love cleanses. Love purifies. I mean, you can't hurt somebody if you really love them. Amen? Love covers. Love cleanses. And then love conquers. Listen now to Luke chapter 6, beginning verse 27. Jesus said, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Now, we have no problem loving those that love us. But our problem is, is loving those who are unlovable. Let me give you an example. Um, let's suppose, Rosita, you and I go out here to, a, to an orphanage. And just to be honest, we're thinking a lot about an orphanage, aren't we? Uh, Victor, one of the things God has spoken to us about is about supporting an orphanage somewhere, whether it be in Ethiopia, we've been looking at the Philippines, but, but so, suppose we go to an orphanage and we pull up that orphanage and here's a little red-handed, freckled-paced boy that runs out to our car. And before we even get out of the car, he kicks the door. And we get out of the car and, and he spits tobacco juice in my face. And he kicks my chin. And he curses me and he gets a handful of sand and he throws it in my face. Let me ask you a question. Can you imagine me going in there and me saying, you know that little red-headed freckle-faced boy that cursed me, that threw sand in my face, that spit tobacco juice in my face? I, I, I love him. 
I want him to be my son. Can you imagine me doing that? Oh, but if we pulled up to that orphanage and that little blue-eyed, blonde-headed girl, or I could say it, dark-headed, black-eyed girl. <laughs> but she runs out and got that big smile on her face. And she says, I want you to be my daddy. I want you to be my mama. <laughs> oh, folks, listen, she's got me. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to go in there. I'd say, man, that, that's who I want. I want to adopt them. Folks, listen. Every one of us here today, we were just like that little red-headed, freckled-faced boy that cursed, that threw sand in our face, spit tobacco juice in our face. I mean, we were just like that with God. Yet in spite of that, thank God, God loves us. God loves us. Jesus went on to say, bless them that curse you, Pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that spiteth thee, on one cheek offer the other. And him that taketh away the cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee. And of him that taketh away the goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, well, thank you. For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to you, what well, thank you. For sinners do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, well, thank you. For sinners also lend to sinners that receive as much again. But love ye your enemies. And do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Listen. There's no mountain that love cannot climb. There's no river that love cannot swim. And I'm not talking about a cheap sentimentality. I'm talking about the supernatural love of God that God will plant into your heart. Listen, this world is looking for a love that only God can produce. Amen? Love covers. Love cleanses. Love conquers. And then love convicts. Over in John chapter 12 and verse 32, the Bible is saying there that God's love convicts. God's love draws. Jesus said, and if I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Jesus is saying, as a suffering servant, if I be lifted up, I will draw, I will convict all men unto me in a world that knows nothing of God's love when they see the truth of the Lord Jesus lifted up loving us 
He says there's a drawing. There's a convicting power that comes from that. And when we, as God's children, show that same type of love, there's going to be a drawing, a convicting power that's going to come from our life. Amen and amen. Let me ask you a question. Has the glory of the Lord ever filled your life? If it has, there will be the manifestation of God's love. We have family, members, and friends who are going to go to hell because we don't love them as God loved them. We have family members and friends who are going to experience heartbreak because we don't love them the way God loved them. We have family members and friends whose survival is going to depend on you and I loving them the way God loved them. Listen, this world is looking this world is looking for people that will love them with the love of God. No doubt many of you have read or heard about the cross and the switchblade. How many of y'all read the book? Okay, the movie, The Cross and the Switchblade. David Wilkerson. And in that, you remember that David Wilkerson was witnessing to Nikki Cruz. Y'all remember that? Nikki Cruz, who was running with the wrong crowd, who was running with the wrong gang and, and involved with drug traffic and all other types of evil. And it's said on one occasion that David Wilkerson said to Nikki Cruz, Nikki, I want you to come to Christ. I want you to be saved. And to that, Nicky Cruz said, pulling out his switchblade, <laughs> he said, I'll, I can cut you into a thousand pieces. And to that, David Wilkerson responded by saying, yes, and if you cut me in a thousand pieces, every piece will cry out, I love you. I love you. I love you. And to that, Nicky Cruz gave his life and heart to Jesus Christ. Oh, listen, when the glory comes, there will be love. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I do pray now for this invitation. I pray that your spirit will move here today. God, we do cry out. We do plead today for your glory to fall upon this place. God, we plead for real revival to take place here today. And God, I do pray that we'd be willing to take the mask off and just get honest with you. And God, I pray for Christians today who've just been playing the game to get serious about living for you. 
Also, Lord, I pray for those that be here that have never been saved. God, I pray today will be the day that they come to Christ. I pray for those that cannot say in their heart of hearts, I know for certain if I were to die, I'd be with God in heaven. God, I pray today would be the day they'd say yes to Jesus. Spirit of God, Spirit of God, fall on this place. Move in our midst today that Christ be honored. In his name I pray. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. There are some of you here today that cannot say in your heart of hearts that you know for certain if you were to die, you'd be with God in heaven. I mean, can you say today as a young person, as an adult, maybe even as a church member, there's never been that time and that place that you can go back to and nail down and say, I know for certain if I were to die, I'd be with God in heaven. I'm not asking you, are you 99% certain? I'm asking you, are you 100% certain if you were to die this very moment, you'd be with Christ in heaven? If you cannot say that and know that, I'm going to ask you, let me lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting. You make this your prayer. You may want to pray out loud. You may want to pray silently. But the main thing is you pray it in your heart, pray it to God, and really mean it. Now, just saying the words won't save you. You must mean it from your heart. And let me lead you in that prayer right now where you ask God, forgive you of your sin, and ask Jesus to come in your heart to save you. I mean, if you don't know for certain that you're saved, get it settled. Nail it down right now. Will you do that? Let me lead you in that prayer right now. As a young person, as an adult, let me lead you in that prayer right now. Pray with me right where you're sitting right now. Pray with me right now. Pray with me. Say, dear God, pray with me. Say, dear God, I know you love me. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know Jesus came out of that grave and he's alive. But God, I have sinned against you and I'm lost and I cannot save myself. God, forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, come in my heart right now and save my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Now, I'm going to ask every one of you who asked Jesus to save you the best you knew how just then, I'm going to ask you if you'll just open your eyes and look up at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to ask you just two or three questions. If you pray that prayer, look up at me. Did you pray that prayer? Amen. Young man, did you pray that prayer? I'm not going to come to you. Pray that prayer. Young man, did you pray that prayer? Sweetheart, did you pray that prayer? Amen. Sir, did you pray that prayer? Sweetheart, over here, look up here. Did you pray that prayer? Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Amen. Over here. Now, those you prayed the prayer, look up here at me. I promise you I won't come to you. I promise you. Just want to ask you three questions, okay? Number one, do you know God loves you? 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 Sweetheart, you know God loves you? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. That means God loves you. There in the back, nod your head. Did you, you know God loves you? Amen. 
And then the second question is this. You know that Christ died for you on the cross. You know that Christ died for you. You know Christ died for you. You know he died for you. You know he died for you. Sweetheart there, you know he died for you. Nod your head. You know he died for you. Sweetheart, you know he died for you. You know he died for you. The Bible says Christ died for our sin. Ma'am, you know he died for you. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. That means you're so special. If you'd been the only person, Jesus would have died just for you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Hey, isn't that good? Hey, you're that special. Sweetheart, you're, you're that special. If you'd been the only person, Jesus would have died just for you. Then let me ask you a third question. This is real important. Are you ashamed of Jesus? You're not ashamed of him. Sweetheart, are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of Jesus? Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of Christ? Are you ashamed of Christ? Sweetheart, are you ashamed of Christ? You're not ashamed of him, are you? All is that he's not ashamed of you. He went to the cross and he openly, publicly died there for you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. Brother Victor is going to come stand here at the front right now. And I'm going to ask in just a moment, every one of you that asked Christ to come in your life, I'm going to ask you to just come stand in front of the pastor. Now, by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I promise you, I promise you, you're not going to have to give a speech. Trust me, you're not going to be embarrassed anyway. But by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He's just going to have a word of prayer with you. Share with you things going to help you in your life now as a believer. But by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him, ma'am. You're not ashamed. Here comes someone already. Out of the back, you're not ashamed of him, are you? I'm going to ask every one of you that has Christ come in your life. Just stand. Just stand up right now. Come on. Come on. Those of you who prayed to prayer. Come on. Come on, young guys. Come on. Over here. There in the back. Come on. Come on. Come on. Others, real quick. Come on. Just walk up here. Walk up here to the preacher. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come. Come. Anyone else? Now, it may be that you made that decision, but you say, I need someone else to talk to me. Really explain to me more of what, what has taken place. Listen, you come. Pastor will be glad to pray with you, share with you the Word of God. You come. But then also, I believe there's Christians here today. You know you're saved. You know you were to die. You'd be with God in heaven. But oh man, you need the glory to come afresh and anew on your heart. And you need to just experience God's love afresh and anew today. Listen, the altar's open. The altar's open. Come to the altar. Bring it to Jesus today. Will you do it? Let his glory fall here today. You come. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.